scripture, but uh, this is a tough one today, so I invite you, if you don't have something to do, if you forgot your cell phone or something, to uh, fasten your seat belts. This is a part of the uh, Sermon on the Mount, which runs from the fifth chapter of the familiar Beatitudes through the seventh chapter. <clears throat> You have heard it, it was said, of those ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you, if you are angry with a brother or sister, you are able to do judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to the court with him, or the accuser may hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, Everyone who looks with a woman, at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye accuses you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand accuses you sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go to hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard it said in those ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven or by the throne of God, or by earth or by its footstool or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. 
anything more than this comes from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Be seated. I'm grateful for that. Uh, so many of you were uh, are steadfast enough Christians that uh, you didn't bother with your seat belt, but managed to stand. You know, one would hope that uh, that Jesus would make faith a bit easier. Uh, well, a lot, really. Murder, adultery, divorce, truth-telling. <laughs> really? Well, maybe Jesus knew his crowd, but we Christians... We're here to note that. Surely, surely you know some folk who would benefit from a little fire and brimstone now and then. But uh, we're here, you know, at least two Sundays out of the month. We're good Christians. We come to church. So why is Jesus saying this to us? Murder? And before you shake that off too quickly, note that Jesus extends the category to include anger, insults, name-calling. Jesus is not above challenging us when we think we're off the hook. <laughs> Adultery. Not just sex with the spouse of another, but includes looking at another lustfully, with a lustful imagination. And a couple of things Jesus didn't even know about that might include some films and magazines available regularly. Jesus includes divorce, a part of adultery, because both are part of taking our vows seriously and devoutly. Aren't you happy you came this morning? <laughs> yeah. I, I was seated sharing with Marianne this morning and thinking about going over the sermon. And I, I said something to Marianne in the midst of me reading about, we were talking about adultery and uh, divorce, and Siri came up from my <laughs> iPhone sitting on the table and said, said, I'm sorry I didn't quite understand that. <laughs> I said, you've got a lot of company. <laughs> Not only murder and adultery, but truth-telling. That's what the swearing is all about. It's not, uh, it's not, not cussing. It's uh, talking honestly. Christians are to be clear about their declarations. Plainly, the folk we share with on any level need to know that our intention in response to them is yes or no. 
We have that option. But it's not, uh, well, you ought to come over to the house sometime. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll think about that. It's yes or no. I hear that. For Jesus being Christian is fairly close to testifying in court with our language. What we say is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And Jesus in this sermon expects more from us than the courts do from those who testify. We're held at a higher regard. That is a declaration of the faith according to Jesus. To take others as seriously as we take ourselves. Life is sanctified. Life in the Christian community is holiness. God deems human commitments as sacred. Our words, our declarations, and our vows are trustworthy since they are us and we are God's. You know, this teaching is centered in, for Jesus in an act of worship. Did you hear that little note Jesus had? We are placed before an altar with our offering. The image here is not just the passing of the plates we do in worship where we, where we deposit our pledge or our dues or our money or whatever you call it weekly. It's before an altar. An altar is a holy place where we meet God. All we are meeting at the place of an altar is meeting all God is for us. Fred Craddock, one of my favorite preachers, said, the greatest moral and ethical force in the world is worship. The greatest moral and ethical force in the world is our worship. We need to take that seriously. When we recognize that we are in an altar, we become vulnerable. We become open. We are there before God and we are receptive. At that altar before God, wherever, wherever that is for you, at that time, we are open and receptive to God's welcome there at that altar. And most interesting, Jesus says it there in the scripture, when we are there at that altar with our offering before God, we remember. We remember. You become aware of brokenness, something that you thought you had forgotten, something buried that rises to the surface. And we have to take care of it now. That's what we do when we're at that altar. It's, 
It's a place that we come aware of what God wants us to do and how God wants us to live. There at the altar of God, we are moved to correct, to heal relationships, and to, and to correct our moral wrongs. <clears throat> Such worship enables love to happen with God, with our human companions, and with ourselves. What this text opens for us is to worship is to a worship that is more than a meeting we come to. How often we talk about going to church when we should be talking about going to worship. It's easy to go to church. It takes our whole life open to God to go to, to, go to worship. Worship enables us to be open with God, with our human companions, and with ourselves. What this text opens for us is worship that is more than that meeting we come to. Worship is about trusting what happens here. Worship does not stay up here. Worship is not just something you look at that happens up here. But we are shared out there. We worship from that wall to this wall. Sermons, scriptures, music, prayers, the loaf and cup of grace, that does not happen up here like a stage play to be viewed. It happens in the pews as well. We're all involved and in God's word to us in that particular moment. The Sermon on the Mount section of the Gospel of Matthew is more than a set of rules for Christians to follow. This sermon of Jesus, in fact, his whole teaching is both word and action. It illustrates a new way of living as a creature of God in our world. If there is a rule, if there is one rule, we already know it, it is love. It's a way to treat ourselves and those with whom we live in this home that is God's creation. Now that love is not just a feeling, that, that's, that's for next Wednesday, Valentine's Day. Plenty of, plenty of room for feeling there. But the love that we talk about here is an action, something we do, something we give, something we offer that another person needs. You know, it's, it's really interesting to me there is no place in the Bible that tells me I have to like everybody. I don't have to like everybody to be a Christian, but I do have to love them. I have to treat them as a fellow human being. I have to treat them, as Jesus said in another place, like I want to be treated. That is the command. Love is action. 
from God for us with those we encounter in our lives. I don't know how to define that altar for you. It's happened to me several different places. Once I remember, it wasn't even in the church. But God's altar is here for you. I can't tell you where to find God's altar for that very important offering of yourself. And yet, if you open yourself in this time, this place, you will find it and remember that which you've forgotten that has kept you from someone or from God. There's a story of a pianist who was hired to play in a club. And he came in, walked to the piano, and he started playing one note. He played that one note over and over. He played it faster, and he played it softer and louder. Well, the owner became a little worried after a while. He walked up and said, uh, pardon me, you know, we hire a lot of people here and a lot of the pianists use a whole lot of those other keys. He didn't stop. He said, they're still looking. I found it. <laughs> that kind of discovery is available to you in worship. Think about it for a minute. Thanks again for tuning in to the Douglas Boulevard Christian Church Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate the podcast on iTunes, retweet the link, or just tell your friends. Godspeed until next time on the Douglas Boulevard Christian Church Podcast.